Hello, and welcome to the Paleo Baby Podcast. As usual, I'm Julie Kelly, and today I'm excited to be joined by my friend who has joined us in the past, Terea Rodriguez, who is a fellow functional medicine nerd. Um, and we decided we wanted to do a podcast today all about the fertility awareness method. Welcome, Terea. Hi there. Do you want to talk about yourself a little bit? Of course, I always want to talk about myself, but uh, no, uh, I'll tell people who I am. So my name is Terea Rodriguez, and um, I blog over at TereaRodriguez.com, and I work with people uh, one-on-one that have autoimmune disease and um, employ basic diet and lifestyle coaching, just like you and Chris do, and um, functional medicine testing and that kind of thing. Um, And one of the big things that really comes up with autoimmunity and, um, just health in general is hormone balance and, uh, female hormone balance. And Julie and I have liked to geek out on this ourselves. So we decided that we record something and share it with you. By geek out, you mean I send you my fertility awareness method and ask you if I'm ovulating? (laughs) (laughs) Something similar to that. I mean, it's all about teaching each other and, uh, learning what this is all about. No, I think that's great. And I think, um, you know, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about you might hear it referred to as, as FAM or um, we want to differentiate it from what some people think of as the, the rhythm method. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking no. about something very specific called the fertility awareness method. Um, and we'll get into that. But I think one of the main reasons is you know what we should talk about now is kind of why we wanted to talk about this. Because I think there's some really specific things that apply to to a lot of you, um, whether you are trying to avoid pregnancy or trying to conceive, um, or maybe you don't know, but there's a lot of benefit that can come from following the fertility awareness method. So um, should we talk about what it is? Yeah, I think we should give a general overview so that people have an idea of what we're talking about. So let's do that before we get too far into the whys. Um, Do you want to talk about it for a second? Sure. I'll just, I'll describe it just kind of off the cuff of my understanding of it. But fertility awareness method for me is using various biological markers to track our hormones throughout our menstrual cycle so that we can understand what's going on with our body. Mm -hmm. And the way that it works is it uses three specific markers, one of which is basal body temperature. The other one is cervical fluid and the consistency of such fluid and then uh, cervical position. And with the three of those markers, you can easily identify when you are ovulating and when you're fertile and when you're not fertile. And what I was surprised to learn is how many days of the cycle were not fertile mm-hmm. because I grew up in, you know, grade school or whatever, whenever they give you those classes, right? Which do, do they even do that anymore? Very, uh, probably very not. different. Than, <laughs> so we grew up yeah. in an era where they actually came in and gave us education on tampons and pads and mm-hmm. all this crazy stuff. Well, basically scare us and tell us that you're basically fertile from the time you start bleeding to the time you yeah. stop bleeding. <laughs> if you look and at a boy, it's like get 50 pregnant. years. And if you look at a boy, you're going to get pregnant. <laughs> and so I always thought that we were fertile all the time. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that we're really only fertile for a very small window. And that was, that was huge for me because I'm the trying to avoid person. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's how I describe it. How do you describe? I think very similarly. And I discovered you introduced this to me, um, after we met and we met, I've already had my daughter for nine months when we met. Um, and I was just somebody that was kind of winging it. Um, winging it a little bit, um, in terms of avoiding pregnancy because I had been off hormonal birth control for probably a little bit over seven years before I I had my daughter. So, um, I think I was doing it 
to a point, but I was using probably not very good information because I wasn't really collecting any of these statistics. I just kind of knew my body and I kind of knew like what the, some of the signs were and looking back and reading over FAM and and what it is and how it works. I was like, wow, I'm really lucky Um, (laughs) (laughs) that I didn't get pregnant. Yeah. There's some windows there that can be a little tricky. Definitely. And I'm not saying that Ivy was, you know, a planned pregnancy, but she wasn't completely an unplanned pregnancy either. Um, So, but no, I I love it because of some of the other things that it provides in terms of just uh, of of understanding one's own health and and, and kind of taking a little bit more control over um, of your reproductive health, which I think is is beneficial to everyone, whether or not you're trying to conceive. Yeah, absolutely. um, Um, We have too many women these days that are um, receiving exogenous hormones through birth control pill and IUDs and this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And they get to a point in their life. And usually I see them when they're 30 or 40 and all of a sudden their hormones are completely unraveling. Mm-hmm. And it, part of the problem is because they've been on this exogenous hormone. It's yeah. not the only problem. There are other factors. Let me be really clear. Mm-hmm. But, um, part of the contributing factor there is that they've had this ex external influence to their hormone cycle that may or may not have been very helpful. Mm-hmm. So. And I think there's also just an extreme lack of education. And that's something that is talked about in the book, you know, kind of extensively and how, kind of which women, book in the fertility awareness <laughs> method book, sorry, it's called, um, it's called taking charge. Wait, yeah. Taking charge of your fertility. I always want to call it something else, Yep, but it's that's, by, um, it's by Tony Weschler and we'll put a link to it in the, in show, the notes. show notes. Definitely. Um, but it's a great book, but mo- uh, one of the main themes throughout is kind of this, how women have kind of been steered down this path of, of miseducation and, and also down this path of just kind of divorcing ourselves from our bodies in a way and, and handing it over to whoever our practitioners are. And some women get lucky and they find a practitioner that is open and kind and will teach them about their bodies and give them back that power. I think, unfortunately, the vast majority of women are not that lucky. And it takes them, you know, either having an unplanned pregnancy or um, not being able to conceive or having some other, you know, health issue arise in order for them to realize that they need to, to take back that control or take back that power and, and really learn what's going on with them. So um, for me, I think it's I think it's a great educational tool uh, to learn about your body. Um also, in just regards to the, the the hormone thing, I mean, we work with people all the time, and the number one thing that I'm constantly having to deal with with women specifically that I work with is, you know, I've been on the pill for 15 years, and I really feel like I should be off of it, but I don't want to have a baby, or um, I want to get pregnant, and I'm just coming off of, you know, 20 years on the pill. What do I do? Is it going to work for me? And um, it's scary because uh, I don't know we don't know what the, what, what the hormonal birth controls are, are doing to us. And I, I think um, we're only kind of on the cusp of, of learning all the dangers of them and all the, yeah. po- the possible side effects. So this is definitely something I encourage all women to look into and research for yourself. Um, we're very going to talk pretty broadly today about fertility awareness. Um, yeah, this isn't, isn't a how-to guide. This is not a how-to guide, um, but I, I just really wanted to introduce you to it as a topic because I think it's something that we're going to come back to. And it's always something that I recommend to clients. Um so I wanted to introduce it to you so you can do your own research. And then um, hopefully in the future, I'll have a fertility awareness method coach because there are coaches out there, really good ones, um, or maybe even the author of the book. Maybe we'll get her on as well to talk more about the how-tos and um, and whatnot. But today it's it's a it's an overview. Um, and so, yeah, do you want to, should we talk a little bit about kind of 
the whole system and kind of what it's looking at each piece of, of fertility awareness and kind of how, how you monitor or what, what you're looking at. Yeah. Fertility yeah. I think that would be, I think one thing that I want to get across today is kind of what is a day in the life of yeah. using fertility awareness method and how does that contrast to taking the pill mm-hmm. or having an IUD or yeah. whatever. Um, and at first it seems like a lot. And there are um, three different things that you're monitoring. Like I said, it's um, basal body temperature, cervical position, and cervical fluid. Um, And it seems like a lot, but really, once you get to know your own body, it's like it takes me all of... I think the longest piece is taking my temperature because I've got a slow old fashioned thermometer, (laughs) right? So that's the longest piece. Um, The rest of it takes 10 seconds um, throughout the day. So it's just a matter of remembering to do it. And we are in, thank God, the technological age and there's an app for your smartphone that reminds you how to do this and charts everything for you so that you're not having to chart everything yourself. Um, And so it really is super easy the, there are rules that you have to learn, Mm -hmm. like what defines, what are the signs that mean that you're fertile or not fertile? So you kind of need to understand what those rules are, which is why there's coaches out there. Mm -hmm. I had a coach when I first started Mm -hmm. and, um, she worked with me for six months. I was able to share my charts through this app to her and she was able to give me feedback. And the agreement was during that period of time, we'd use condoms for the whole month Mm -hmm. rather than just in the special windows until I could start predicting have I crossed into a fertile or non-fertile window myself? Mm-hmm. So, and she wouldn't, she just coached me and taught me how to do it and quiz me and yeah. all of those things. Like <laughs> it was great. So, um, that's why there's coaches out there. And it's, um, once you get the hang of it though, it's kind of, it's like brushing my teeth mm-hmm. really. Yeah. It becomes part of your daily it totally routine. Does. It's like anything. It's difficult until it's routine, which I say right. a lot because right. everything's that way. Right. What, um, what drove you to to want to do this as opposed to being on hormonal birth control? Because I think that's uh-huh. that's a really good way to kind of start to understand the contrast yeah. between the two. Yeah. So um, I had been on hormonal birth control since high school. Um, I'm 44 now. And uh, it was in probably 2007 that I started using the Nuva Ring because I was tired of the pill. I was having some you know, side effects from the pill and uh, wanted to try something else. And it sounded really convenient. Um, to be able to use the ring and then skip periods. Like I was always after that whole skip period Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And used it for about a year and really started to have some severe side effects. Mm -hmm. Um, I started to get hot flashes. I started to get um, ovarian cysts um, and really started to feel like I was falling down the hormonal flight of stairs. Mm -hmm. And it was about the time that I got diagnosed with autoimmune disease too. So there was a lot of stuff going on at the same time, but definitely, um, the whole hot flash thing when you're 30, it was 30 something. I was like in my late thirties when I was having hot flash and I was like, Oh no, 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 no. Wait, (laughs) not ready for this whole thing. What the heck is going on? And, um, that's when, I worked with my OBGYN and we kind of evaluated what are the options. I decided to try an IUD. Uh, We did the procedure to insert the IUD and I went into complete vasovagal response and um, turned white, stayed white on the table for three and a half hours and she wouldn't let me get up. And finally she said, no, your body's rejecting it. So we took it out. And, uh, yeah, so pretty much I'm not one of these people that can do an IUD and, um, I wasn't really left with anything but condoms at that point. Mm. 
Um, and it became a conversation with my husband of like, okay, is one of us ready to go surgical route? That was what was left. Yeah. Right. And so we just decided that we were the couple that while we didn't want to have kids, we weren't ready to say permanently no. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we decided that we would check out fertility awareness method and that's when we started using it. It's been great. Um, we're totally happy we did. We haven't had to go through the surgical means and we're still trying to avoid. And, you know, that's probably how it's going to be. But it really turned out to be a non-invasive, non-hormonal, non-chemical way for us to achieve what we want to achieve. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, similarly, I guess, um, I was same, you know, I was on hormonal birth control, always the low dose of hormones. Um, I have a varicose vein in my leg and I've had it since I was probably, I don't know, 17. And so, um, I didn't really understand though, the connection between varicose veins and the possibility for blood clot until I was probably 22. Um, and that was only because I just happened to, I was really struggling with birth control. I'd gone off the pill. Um, I'd gotten the patch. I went to the patch first and that really destroyed me. I mean, I gained 15 pounds. I had a horrible acne. Um, I was just a royal, horribly miserable person to be around. Um, cranky. Yeah. (laughs) Um, just not, no consistency of mood. Just, just, I mean, and I was a wreck. I was, you know, happy one minute and depressed the next minute. It was, it was awful. And I, I did that for probably three months before I needed to just quit. And my, my nurse practitioner recommended the ring instead. So I went from the patch to the ring and it was a huge improvement health wise, but I was on that for probably, um, six months when I switched my nurse practitioner retired and I got a new nurse practitioner and she went through my chart because she was new and she, she put two and two together that I had this varicose vein that I reported and, and I was on the ring and she's like, you need to get off of this immediately because the risks of blood clot are so high and you are predisposed to this. And on top of that, she recognized that I had migraines. And so this was another kind of sign that none of this was good for me. And so I'm really grateful that she yeah. was with it enough to, to recognize all of these things. Cause it was pretty terrifying. And, and that was the point where I just said, you know what, enough, enough with the hormonal birth control. And, um, funny, funnily enough, my dad had always been against hormonal birth control because his mom had breast cancer. Hmm. And, um, he, he always, you know, encouraged my mom not to be on hormonal birth control. And he, you know, my dad is not somebody that talks about this kind of stuff. And I, know. And I before I went to college, he had, you know, he was upset when he found out that I was on hormonal birth control and not because, you know, I was having sex, but he was, <laughs> he was just frustrated that I was, you know, putting these things in my body. And, um, I just thought that was like a weird, wise thing for him to, you know, he was ahead of his time in terms of all of that stuff. But, um, yeah, so I was happy to be off of it because I felt like, okay, you know, my family will be happy that I'm not on this stuff anymore, and I'm happy that I'm not on it. But I was really left, you know, I went off of it, and she told me to go off of it. She didn't give me a good solution other than condoms for not getting pregnant. And I had a steady boyfriend. You know, we ended up getting engaged. Obviously, we're not together now, but um, that that was frightening for me. Like, okay, so I'm out on this ledge, like this is my only option. Um, and I feel like a lot of people are like that. They're like, Oh yeah, there is nothing else. This is, this and is while it. it's an option. Yeah. 
it's let's just face it. Yeah. It's not the best sex. It's not the best sex. No, it's it just is. not. It's not. And um, you know, that's part of the whole attraction to being on the pill or an IUD or whatever is that you don't have that extra yes. personality. Exactly. Yeah. In the way Third I mean, party. I don't know what else to call yeah. it. It's like, oh, things are getting all nice and steamy yeah. and um hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's pause, pause for a moment, for a moment. and yeah. engage with some yeah, anyway, whatever. We don't need to go into the graphics, but the point is is that when you're left with just the condom, you're also left with somebody else in your relationship. Yeah. And it's a conversation you have to have and I mean, I, I it's I, I think condoms are a great solution for a lot of problems, but it's important to point out that they're not for everybody and um you know you should have another option and this is a great one so that's why we're talking about it um so now that you know our two stories um <laughs> do you want to talk about how it all fits into this picture yeah into so the- let's talk about the picture so um yeah we're going to link to it, but if somebody's listening now and they're next to a computer you can go to kindara.com slash science and Kindara is K-I-N-D-A-R-A. And that's the app that you can use on your phone or on yeah. your computer to track um, your BVT and your cervical position and your cervical fluid. And it keeps track of it in a nice, lovely way. And the lovely thing about what we're looking at is it's an infographic that's interactive and you can kind of evaluate and see the different relationships between the temperature, the different hormone levels that are happening across the month and you know what's happening with the ovulation and what's happening with the cervix position and the fluid itself. So it's really kind of a nice way to kind of track all of those things and understand what each one looks like Mm -hmm. when you're in these different phases of your cycle. Um, And it's, it's fascinating. I mean, you can really see how you can tell if somebody has balanced hormones just based off of temperature alone, because Mm -hmm. they overlay the two graphs, right? One on top of the other. Right. I think it's it's also just fascinating, like, you know, the cervical fluid thing is what always blows my mind is because it's just like, I was definitely this person, there's a couple of great anecdotes in, in the um, Take Charge of Your Fertility book about women thinking they had like horrible infections or something was wrong with them or they were completely like, you know, a leper basically because they had this fluid that was must be not normal because it, you know, either smelled weird or whatever. And I was definitely one of those people, like for the earlier part of my adult life thinking like I there's there's something wrong with me I don't know what it is but I was too ashamed to ask about it and I didn't certainly didn't want to google it um we didn't have google back then by the way so don't worry about it I'll just put my head in the sand and pretend like this isn't happening yeah I had a girlfriend in high school that um you know certain part of her cycle every month and she didn't really track it. So she wasn't aware that this was happening on a cyclic basis, but she had so much cervical fluid in the middle of her cycle that she ended up needing to use panty liners. And she thought something was completely wrong with her because now this stuff is coming out. (laughs) She was like, Oh yeah, there's just something wrong with me. And her dad was a doctor for crying out loud. It's, it's awful. Yeah. I mean, I think about all the years we spend beating ourselves up for one thing or another, and then you just add this to the mix and it's just like, I think one of the best things about reading the book for me was just like, oh, you mean this is totally normal? Yeah. I finally felt normal. Yeah, I, exactly. Same here. I was just like, why didn't, why? So I'm like on this mission now to 
educate Ivy and I've told you some funny stories, but I'm, you know, really open. My daughter is two (laughs) two year old daughter and I'm really open and honest with her about everything. And she's, you know, like most moms can relate. You're never allowed to go to the bathroom by yourself. So she's always in the bathroom with me. So she is, you know, fully understands. Well, does I, she doesn't fully understand, but she has been completely exposed to tampons and periods and, you know, all of that. And she asks a lot of questions. She's my little why girl. And, um, and I said, yeah, I'm really honest with her, but it's like my mission in life for her to like fully understand her body well before it starts to do Change. the wild, crazy things that it yeah. does. And, yeah. um, I, you know, I want her to see this stuff coming and I want her to be excited about it because I think it's, it's incredible what our bodies can do if we want it to do that. Um, but I want her to, to always own her reproductive health. And so that was what I was like reading this book going, Oh my God, this is going to be so awesome to like teach Ivy all of this stuff before she ever has to wonder about it. You know, like she's going to be the weird girl who's like instructing all of her friends. Like, like, you don't know what your basal body temperature is. Like, (laughs) what was it this morning? Was it last week? You don't have a thermometer under your pillow? Like, you know, I'm excited because it's, it's really valuable information. And yeah, if nothing else, if it can make somebody feel normal for the first time and just not like a leper, then I think it's, um, I think it's great. But yeah, the cervical fluid I think is, yeah. Cause I I was same thing. I didn't, it happened every month, but in my head it was like, Oh my God, it's happening again. But I had no idea when, right. when it was happening. Or, and maybe we should back up a little bit and yeah. kind of describe the whole cervical fluid. Yeah, thing. I think so, that's a really good um, What happens is we go through these periods of having some cervical fluid and not having cervical fluid. Mm-hmm. And um, what's interesting is that when you start looking at the consistency of that fluid, you can actually tell when you're ovulating, which I was just blown away by. But it is one of the signs that points to ovulation. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and there are times where you have a lot more than others. Mm-hmm. And I just thought things were just off and weird or whatever, right? I didn't really understand, but mm-hmm. now I understand. So that's kind of what we're talking about is like you notice either from the marks on your underwear or, mm-hmm. you know, what shows up on your toilet paper, or even if you want to do a self-inspection, you mm-hmm. can do that too. And um, you notice basically when you are having more or less and that's kind of what you're tracking mm-hmm. um and it's just a really cool way to understand what's going on with your body and also know that you're not this weird freak mm-hmm. that's yeah i think one there. of my biggest objections when you first like pointed this out to me and i started reading the book and i was like i have to do what um <laughs> Because in my head, I was just like, this is, it's just not something I'd ever done, right? And what did I tell you that you had to do? You had told me that I had to check my cervical position. And I was just like, how the hell am I supposed to do that? How do you know that? And I was like, oh, you literally have to physically check your cervical position. So yeah, you have to use your finger and you have to get comfortable with your body and you have to figure out where your cervix is. And um, I was a little freaked out, mainly because I have this fear of my cervix because when I was the first time I went and got my first pap smear, I was 15 and, um, I had a, a, a midwife as I went to this practice where there were midwives and nurse practitioners and like one or two doctors. And it was a great practice, but I didn't have my normal midwife. I had a, a, a different one and she came in and it was the first time I met her. So I was really nervous and she, you know, does the whole pap and I'm laying there and I look down and she's making this like very perplexed face. Oh no. And Not I was like, good bedside manner. And I literally said, excuse me, you cannot do that because 
Because <laughs> now I'm freaked out. Now I'm freaked out. And she goes, oh, you have a long vagina and a crooked cervix. And I was petrified because I was ter- you know, that. Oh, what am I not going to be able to have kids? Is that what you're telling me? Am I deformed? Do I have some birth defect? And I was literally sweating profusely. And she's like, oh no, you know, everybody's built differently, whatever. But she literally let me like lay there and, and wriggle around and freak out for a good five minutes before she like explained that you know, it was perfectly fine. So I have this like tremendous fear of that of it causing me problems or grief yes. in some part yes. of my life. So anyways, no, I've, I've conceived fine. I had a baby fine. No problem. Um, but getting to know my cervical position was a little bit daunting because I was like, well, I've got this, I have this condition. I have this crooked <laughs> cervix condition. Am I going to be able to do this? So I was, it was daunting. But um, no. How do you feel now? I feel great. I feel like I feel like I finally own my cervical position. I feel like I finally, <laughs> you know, we're buddies. We get each other now. We understand each other. Yeah. Um, and that's great because I also, you know, took that information into account when I was finding it. And I think I gave myself a little extra time to make sure that that position of my cervix matched up. So like you have to figure out the length of your cervix because it's it changes position. So it's either high or low throughout um, the time of ovulation. And so as you're figuring out your particular cervix, you have to, you know, yeah, which takes a couple months by the way. And this is why there's coaches because not everybody's designed the same way. No, not everybody's going to measure in the same way. Yeah. And, um, literally, I mean, this is how graphic it gets, but literally I am measuring the depth based off of where my knuckle gets when I'm checking for cervical position. Right. That's just how I do it. But Mm -hmm. other people do it other ways, but, um, yeah, you kind of have to get to know what that is and what that pattern is for you because everybody's slightly different. Right. So I bit the bullet and I decided to just go for it and I'm glad that I did because now I have this better understanding. I'm not freaked out by the, weirdness of my cervix it is what it is and I'm sure lots of people have crooked cervixes but nobody ever told them they had a crooked cervix so I should just get over it but um well I mean if we really think about it one person diagrammed the position of this yeah exactly. it was probably a male in the <laughs> 1800s and that became quote-unquote normal yeah and so now everybody has crooked yes, cervixes. everybody has crooked cervixes is it cervixes or cervix cervi I have no idea I don't know either anyway um, uh, so cervical position again is another way to know when you're ovulating. So usually what will happen is the cervix will retract, mm-hmm. um, when the ovulation is occurring and it'll descend when there's no ovulation occurring. So understanding that as another sign mm-hmm. of ovulation tells you when you're fertile. So, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty crazy. And I never knew that literally until I read the book that the cervix moved as you ovulated. Never knew. I never knew it moved. All I knew is that sometimes sex was painful. Yes, exactly. So that was another big awful. Seemingly randomly painful. Totally. And I couldn't figure it out. And now I understand that, oh, well, it's because I was close to ovulating, Mm -hmm. right? So better be protected sex during that period of time. And and hitting the cervix. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Unfortunately, and that's a little bit painful sometimes. Yeah. Or sex is more enjoyable because of the position of the cervix, which Absolutely. is also there. And also yeah. the lubrication of the cervical fluid. So right. there's lots of things that we can learn about our sexuality. From All of this. these questions about, well, why am I a person who has dry vagina most of the time? Yes. Because you're perfectly normal. Exactly. And we have dry <laughs> vagina most of the time. There's nothing wrong with you. You no. don't need these extra, you know, no. lube might be fun. Move bits um, and bobs, but yeah. yeah. 
Um, so I think, I mean, we've covered a lot of ground. I don't know how specific we want to get about, about this, but. Well, let's also just kind of cover, uh, basal body temperature. We've yes. talked about it, but how it changes and how it indicates ovulation is you'll be tracking your basal body temperature. And for those of you that don't know, that is your temperature when you first wake up in the morning before you've gotten up to go pee. Um, and you try and do it the, if that's what you do in the morning, most mm -hmm. people do. Um, and what you try and do is you try and take your temperature at the same time every morning because your temperature will start to rise, uh, in the morning and it'll get higher. So you want to kind of keep that consistent from day to day to day, but based off of where your temperature is, you can actually see these rises in temperatures and dips in temperatures that will also give you an indication and positive confirmation that, ovulation is about to and has occurred so that you know what that window actually is for ovulation. And that's the, if you haven't figured out, that is the high fertile time is mm -hmm. that around ovulation, the plus or minus three days or whatever it is. Yeah. So, and I found that most, um, kind of comforting. Like once you start to under, like get familiar with your temperature and you can almost predict it and you know, it's that day that it changes. It's like, Oh yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Like that, once you start right. to get into that rhythm of understanding, um, what's going to happen or being able to slightly predict what what's coming or waking up in the morning and suddenly having a drop and you're like, Oh, today's the day the period's going to come. Yes. Which and is you know that ahead of time before you leave the house yeah. and leave all of your, <laughs> you know, stuff behind. It's awesome to know that this is going to happen today. Yeah, yeah. You start to feel a little bit more like a magician or sorcerer of some kind. <laughs> you have a little bit more power over the whole thing. That's right. Um, so yeah, I think that that's, that's really interesting. And then do we want to talk about how the estrogen and progesterone, um, the shifts that take place during and what you can expect? Yeah, I think it's important, especially since you and I deal with hormone imbalance so much. Is, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, why don't you give an overview of what that looks like normally, and then I can talk about some of the things that happen when it goes. Sure. Around. Yeah. So you know, before you ovulate, and in most of most of your cycle, I guess is is the best way just to to say that kind of the, the beginning half of your cycle is you know estrogen and progesterone kind of cruising along side by side. Um, estrogen is is higher than progesterone. And right as you're kind of coming up to ovulation, your estrogen will spike and your progesterone will be, you know, kind of flat or, or quite low. It stays even. Yeah. yeah, it stays even. And then as you ovulate, progesterone is going to start to rise and estrogen will start to decline. And they, they cross kind of right in the middle at ovulation. And the reason for that, obviously, is you want, um, maybe it's not obvious, you want progesterone to raise in effort to, you know, sustain a pregnancy. It's progesterone, progestation. So it's pro-pregnancy. It's what helps keep the egg Exactly. In, implanted mm -hmm. and ready for fertilization. Um, and then um, after, if you ovulate and it's it's not fertile, the egg is not fertilized, then progesterone will drop and estrogen will start to rise again and the cycle continues. Um, so it's it's that kind of ebb and flow of estrogen in uh, or estrogen and progesterone that kind of dictates the balance of hormones in a woman. And so typically... Um, I mean, I can't speak to your practice, but in our practice, we often see a lot of um, estrogen dominance, mm -hmm. um, the women really low in progesterone, which um, is obviously a problem if you're trying to conceive, you need progesterone, but you also need progesterone to, to moderate mood and to um, really just, you, you need a healthy balance of both um, what it is, but you really want this rhythm more than anything to be right. stable and consistent and um, and predictable because it's when those things get out of balance that we start to see hormonal issues that are often, you know, major complaints of women that we work with. So, um, understanding how that works and understanding, um, 
how it plays into both your temperature. So you can start to see early signs of hormonal imbalance. And then also, um, you know, how it plays into the other factors that you use in fertility awareness method. If, if you use it for nothing other than figuring out if your hormones are in balance or trying to balance your hormones, it's a, it's a great tool for that. So, you know, regardless of the, um, the reproductive part, just managing your hormones for your everyday life, like that's yeah. another really great tool for that. Um, one of the things that we often have to have women do is a, as like a month long hormone panel where you have to spit in a tube every day for 28 days. And, um, you and know, trust me. <laughs> That is, that is one of the worst home labs to do. Yeah. It's, it's painful. Um, I mean, not painful, not painful, painful. It's but just it's a mentally, pain it's, in it's, the it's a pain end. in the butt. It's way worse than taking your temperature every day. Um, so it's a great kind of pre, uh, pre, you know, preemptive strike against, of, towards your hormones instead of, you know, going the hormone panel route first. Yeah. So. One of the reasons we run that hormone panel is to understand the curves of estrogen and progesterone throughout the 28 day cycle and, or 30 day cycle. And, um, you know, being able to just track it with this mm-hmm. at home without having to spit in the tube every day for 28 days is really great because we can actually see if you're charting it in an app like Kandara, you can actually see um, if somebody is having a premature mm-hmm. progesterone peak yes. that extends way longer than it should. Or mm-hmm. you can see if somebody is having a double estrogen peak, which is also common. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can actually see that in the chart without actually shelling out a bunch of cash to have the privilege of spitting in a tube for yeah. 28 days in a row. And the other benefit to this is that you, we've talked about this, but it's, um, you know, when you are kind of a, a passive kind of participant in your health, when you are just relying on your healthcare protect practitioner to look at your labs or give you a pap smear and tell you everything's fine. Um, or, you know, the very most do a blood panel and say, Oh, everything's fine. You're within range. Come back and see me in 10 years when, you know, you've got something wrong with you. Um, you're really missing out on really owning your health. And you're also losing the opportunity to catch a lot of things probably early on that your healthcare practitioner maybe won't catch. Um, and so it's really kind of taking back that power and, and allowing you to hold hold your own health care cards. You, you, you should be able to tell your doctor, you know what, like something's off here. I'm not ovulating when I should. I have an irregular cycle. I think it's because um, I have a, a progesterone spike really early or I think it's because I might have to, I might be estrogen dominant or you, you will become fluent in your own reproductive health. And I think that's huge. Um, being able to own that and you know, not take it for granted. And I think, you know, a lot of practitioners are sometimes taken aback when we come to them and we, you know, we know a little bit more than they do even. Um, and so it might be a good thing though, to start that conversation. Do you need to find another practitioner that understands you and understands that you have a vested interest in your own health and you're not just going to wait around for them to tell you that something's wrong? Yeah. Two two things that I wanted to give an example of how fertility awareness method has helped me just in my own health was um, once I started charting, I started realizing that I was having premature signs of perimenopause and um, not something that somebody wants to hear at 40, that they're going to have to go through menopause. Mm-hmm. Um, we really hope that that hits us around 50, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, and so just by looking at the charts and understanding that there was an extension of my post or of my luteal phase, 
um, that shouldn't have been there and understanding that there was something wrong with the hormone balance was one way that I was able to work with my naturopathic doctor to get them in balance. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, we were able to supplement and get that corrected. Um, so that's been great. And then the other one, um, was what I was telling you earlier is, um, I went into my OBGYN for, uh, the standard checkup, which is now every three years, which is kind of cool. Um, pap every three years, which is awesome. But anyway, so I went in for, um, my standard checkup. Sorry. It's a pap every year exam every year. Oh, pap three exam every year. Anyway, so I went in for a standard checkup and, uh, she said, Oh, we don't need to do a pap. And I said, Oh, well, uh, I think I have a cervical cyst. And she just looked at me and her jaw drops to the floor. And she's like, what? (laughs) I said, I think I have a cervical cyst. Can you check that out? And sure enough, she does the exam and she says, yep, you've got a cervical cyst. And in the 35 years of my practice, you are the first and only patient to self-diagnose a cervical cyst. So this is how um, intimate you become with your body is that you can notice these things. And those cysts are small. Mm -hmm. Um, but just because we have so many nerve endings on our finger, I can detect it, mm-hmm. um, even though they're super duper small. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can't really sing the praises enough. I think, um, I'm trying to go through in my head, like what some of the objections or concerns or questions that people would have about, about it and what would hold people back. And I think, well, what were yours? I think, you know, like I said before, I was a little bit daunted to that whole task of getting to know your body and actually physically feeling the cervix and finding it and knowing where it was <laughs> and understanding, like, is that it? Is that, is that, is that short or is that long or is it high or is it low? I don't, um, figuring out your own normal was really daunting to me. So, so just reading the book and understanding and just practicing. And I think, um, one of the other benefits to it is it kind of forces self-care. It forces that time during the day. Like, no, I, I, I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to do my thing. Um, like I gotta, I gotta figure this out or, you know, just, it adds a layer of self-care every day that you're at least thinking about yourself and as a mom and as somebody that's busy and the business and all of that stuff, like that's really important because sometimes it's not in my calendar and I, you know, it's not something that I'm thinking about, but at least I have this one little piece of the day where I am thinking about my own health. And even if it's just that five minutes, I think is really important. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that's one layer. And then another like thing was just the the time commitment. Like, is this going to be some, major thing that I have to think about. And yeah, for the first couple of months when you're trying to figure out, um, it is a little bit time consuming, but it's also really fun because it's like, (laughs) it's new and it's exciting. And it's like, oh, it's, it's like gadgets. You have this cool app that you're tracking it on and you're waiting to see what it looks like. You're waiting to see how, what your chart looks like. And, And there's a great online community where you can ask questions on Kendara and you can kind of work with other people and we got to talk about it. And so that was fun. Um, so did yeah. you use a coach? No, I, you, you were my coach. I was, <laughs> you didn't was know I it, official but coach? you were my official coach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I used a coach for the yeah. first three months and, um, and that was really great because I didn't know anybody else. I mean, it was great that you had a friend that yeah. knew about it. Um, and could use the friend as a coach, but I didn't, I didn't have a coach and, or sorry, I didn't have a friend who knew anything about it. And, um, just having somebody that I could send an email to and say, Hey, um, this is kind of weird or is this weird? Right. I mean, usually most of the questions as you're learning this is, is this normal? 
Mm-hmm. Or is this weird? Or what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and Am I interpreting this right? Exactly. And um, so that part is super easy. I think for a lot of people is um, one of the concerns that they have is, is it even reliable? Like if I'm trying mm-hmm. to avoid pregnancy, am I going to be successful avoiding pregnancy? And a lot of the studies are just the same as any other contraceptive method, which has the huge disclaimer of if used correctly, mm-hmm. right? So if you take that pill every day and don't miss one, mm-hmm. um, or if you use the condom correctly, then it's going to be 99% effective. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what this is. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a period of the cycle that is highly fertile and, if you are going to have sex, it's recommended you use a condom. Otherwise, you're going to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So depending upon your goal, right. that may be the time. Mm-hmm. Um, or it may be the time to, you know, maybe go out to a movie and not mm-hmm. fool around. Yeah. Or it may be time to use a roll condom. Roll the dice. <laughs> I would say use a condom. You might say roll the dice, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, so there is that period of time. But vote. the wonderful thing is, is that... Um, my husband and I have a lot more freedom to be sensual with each other mm-hmm. without having that third party called Mr. Condom. Yeah. Um, and even if it is a few days during the month, it's really, it's only a few days during mm-hmm. the month. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think we've found too, that it's kind of nice to be able to say like, not tonight, but guess what Monday is like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, um, it's much more, I think it it opens up a different level of communication with your partner um, because, you know, they know that, you know, and if you involve them and you can, you can even, I know that you've said before that you can share your, your, um, your chart with your husband. If you don't want to have to always be the one communicating when is a good time, you could even just like share your chart or share your app with your husband. So he knows when the window is. Um, So yeah, I think it, it some spouses get so excited that they hand the thermometer to the wife. Right. On the other hand, if you teach them how to do this, they will always know when the window is. So, That's um, right. so yeah, whatever, whatever you need to do for your particular situation. But, um, yeah, I think that level of communication is great. And, um, yeah, regardless of what your goal is, whether it's getting pregnant or not getting pregnant, you have the power, you have the ability to say, so yeah, the effectiveness, I don't, I don't buy that. It's not as effective. It's just as effective yeah. as any other method. It's as effective as you want it to be. That's right. Um, I've had some clients um, be concerned around, um, well, gosh, am I going to find out that I'm more screwed up than I think? Mm. And that is a concern when they start. But when they start to understand how empowering it is to really understand their body and understand that, yes, do you are your hormones kind of out of whack right now? Fine. But that's how you and I are trained, right, mm-hmm. is to help people balance their hormones right. naturally and um, get things back on track. Mm-hmm. And once they're able to get things back on track and they're empowered by being aware of what's going on with their body, then they feel way more empowered mm-hmm. once they get used to it. So. Yeah. And one one caveat to all of this is, you know, specifically for people who are thinking about becoming pregnant or are struggling with fertility or, you know, you're one of these women who... Um, you know, you have worked really hard in your career and you're finally like at a place where you're thinking about having kids and you're, you know, maybe not completely advanced maternal age, but you're approaching advanced maternal age. If you don't know this stuff, you have to, like it's, it's required reading at this point because, um, it's true. I mean, it's frustrating to me to see women who are coming into 
um, this fertile time or a time where they'd like to be fertile. And they're basically starting from square one. And I don't blame them. It's not their fault, but I'm saying now, you know, and you got to do better. Like once you know better, you got to do better. And you have to take this control because if you're just going to rely on, um, if you're going to go right from being off the pill to wanting to have a baby to jumping right to a fertility specialist, who's going to want to do IVF or some other fertility treatment with even more hormones involved, if you're going to skip, you, you could skip all of that. And this is a lot less expensive than IVF. This is a oh my lot gosh. less expensive. And, and a lot Way of times, this is all it is. It's just, you don't know when you're ovulating. So, um, the investment is a thermometer folks. Yeah. That's and, it. The um, app is free. Right. And so the investment is a thermometer. Yeah. And we're, we're kind of in the middle of creating like a, a fertility program for people. And, and this is going to be, you know, baseline like you've got to have a month's worth of bbt before we can even start working with you because you've got to know this stuff you've got to have at least this much information and i think we're going to do a lot of good and i think you know for anybody who is thinking about getting pregnant like start here like this is the most basic way and i think a lot of women because it seems you know it's partially because it's um you know more we're just more aware of people's fertility issues now but i think it's also obviously become a bigger problem as mm-hmm. well. Um, but I think a lot of women, I, I know at least five women who, um, just assume they're going to have fertility challenges. And I think it's just kind of by proxy because you know, at least three or four people that have had fertility issues. So you're just kind of a little bit scared going into it. Like, am I even going to be able to have a baby? Um, start here, <laughs> learn yeah. the stuff first and answer some of those questions for yourself before you set yourself up for disappointment or dis- you know, because the, the stress of wondering, the stress of worry about can I or can't I get pregnant can sometimes be enough to prevent you from getting pregnant, especially if you have mild hormonal imbalance issues anyways. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because um, one of the things that I learned from my coach and also observed in my own charts is that stress can prevent ovulation entirely. Mm-hmm. And if you have a completely stressful uh, beginning of the month in the follicular phase or the pre-ovulation phase, um, you can delay ovulation or you can prevent it entirely for that month. So oftentimes the length of our cycle can be affected by the stress that is encountered before you ovulate. Mm-hmm. And so if you know, you've know you got 28-day cycles and then all of a sudden you had this like 35-day cycle and you're like, what the heck was that about? And if you think back, chances are some kind of stress event occurred. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in the day and age of chronic stress that we're in, this is part of the effect mm-hmm. that it has on fertility yeah. in general. And being able to become pregnant is this chronic stress. So mm-hmm. not only is it important to understand your cycle, it's also important to understand the other lifestyle elements that go into it. Exactly. Because there's something that you can do. You have power in all of those you have power in all of those areas. You have so many things that you can change and affect yourself before you go down the route of IVF and invasive treatments or surgery and all of those things. And you can investigate those things not only from the fertility awareness standpoint, but you can investigate them on the part of your partner as well. Because men who are under stress, I mean, that affects sperm quality. And yeah. there's a lot of other pieces and parts that you have um, a lot more control over than you think you have. So I definitely encourage um, anyone that's considering, you know, you, concerned about your fertility one way or the other, this is the place to start. Um, and I, I, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. So um, 
I don't have, I don't think, I think before we get too crazy up and I think this is a great place, like a good stopping point. Yeah, um, no, I think this is great. And, um, like we said in the beginning, we wanted to give you guys a general overview of what the benefits were of fertility awareness method and how much more, um, broad mm-hmm. those benefits are other than trying to conceive or trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's great as a birth control method, Yes, but it's also fantastic as, a means and insight to understanding your own body and understanding the biochemistry of what's going on at, under the covers, mm-hmm. which is so huge to general health. Is that a pun? Uh, apparently so. <laughs> I like it. My husband would be proud. <laughs> oh, well, where can um, people find out more about you and how to get in touch with you? And um... Yeah, so um, you can find me at TereaRodriguez.com, and there will be a link to that in the show notes because I know it's very hard to spell. And... Um, also check out Kendara, mm-hmm. which is Kendara.com, K-I-N-D-A-R-A. Mm-hmm. And that's a great place to get started with the app. And they've got a ton of great information about fertility awareness method. Yeah. And there's a great graphic um, that I'm a little bit obsessed with that's right on their main page when you go to Kendara.com that we were talking about earlier that has your basal body, your hormones, the um, ovarian uh, cycle and then your uterine and cervical fluid. So it, it kind of walks you through each little piece. Um, so I definitely think you should check that out as usual. You can email me questions. Um, if you want me to do another show about fertility awareness method, I think we'll do more of the um, bits and bobs kind of how to, um, show coming up. I'll see if I can find a great expert to come on and talk about that. So if you have specific questions, please email me Juliet nourish balance thrive and let me know. Um, any other questions about fertility as well? I'm working on some, some shows, getting those in the pipeline. So let me know what you've got. Um, thanks everyone.